Let's pray. You guys reach your hands out. Yeah. Holy Spirit, we love you. How good you are. How beautiful that you would show up and be with us today. God, thank you, Lord, that you have called and gifted each of us. Lord, and as, uh, as you have called and gifted Tom to lead this place, Lord, would you anoint him right now, God? Would you loosen his tongue to speak exactly what you want? Lord, and may we receive that as from you. Lord, that Tom is a vessel. Lord, may we, may we affirm Tom in his giftings. Lord, may we encourage and build up each other in our giftings in this place. Mm. Yes. Lord, and may you just release Tom to be all that he's meant to be. Mm. And, um, yeah, God, just keep blowing us away mm-hmm. this morning. Mm-hmm. Keep speaking and keep connecting all the ideas and all the thoughts, Lord, that, yeah. you're, that you're placing in our hearts and in our minds, God. Mm. And, uh, Lord, you make them beautiful. So we trust you, God, mm. more of you, Jesus, right now. Mm-hmm. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Amy. So many things. Hi, guys. What up? How's it going? Man, God is good. All right. Just give me a sec to gather my thoughts. Um, I was actually going to ask, is Scott in the room? Yeah. Do you want to share? I just wondered how we just, I wanted to check in just on how we're doing with uh, practicing silence and solitude. And Scott actually had a really cool thing he wanted to share. So let's hear it for Scott. I can, can you guys hear me? Yeah. Okay. Um, this week I was, just chatting with Tom, we were going for a morning walk, and I am a morning person, so last week we, hands up if you're a morning person, <laughs> and the silence and solitude, a couple of weeks ago, and I shared this with my community group, but a couple of weeks ago, I was having the hardest time getting out of bed and, and, and practicing silence and solitude and reading the Bible, and this is a, a normal thing for me, like it's not like mm. this was new, this was... I, I usually wake up early and that's my time with, with God. And a couple of weeks ago, I was having a very hard time. Mm. And I don't know if it was coming to, I'm, I'm performative. I have a performative mindset. And a lot of times I'm, I'm, I didn't know if I was doing it right. Maybe like, like, do I just sit here? Like, <laughs> is this what you do and, and wait? And, and uh, each time I'd get up, and I was a little, like, I'd be getting ready for work, and I'd come out, and my son Willem was sitting, and he, he woke up before everybody, and he quietly came to the living room, and he wrapped himself in his blanket, and he sat on the couch, and he waited. Mm-hmm. And he was just, and he, and each morning I came out to this, I came out to him just sitting there and waiting. And God spoke to me through that. I feel like, and I feel like it's good for everybody to hear that he was showing me that like, this is, this is all you need to do. You yeah. need to show up yeah. and you will, and your father will come yeah. 
out. Like Willem, my son, knows that he's going, I was going to be coming. And he yeah. didn't make yeah, dude. crazy noise. He didn't, like, he just showed up as himself. Yeah. He sat and he was just waiting for his father to show up. And that was a huge, like, oh, yeah. Well, thank you, God. Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah but, yeah. like, it, it was a neat... Um, Picture, man. Picture yeah. for me. So I just thought I'd share that with you guys. Yeah. 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 You good? Oh, thanks. Did any other reports from the field? Josh, yeah? It's funny. It's kind of in line with this theme. Hmm. And we were, Jonathan, or sorry, I outed him. He oh, sent, we have a prayer group between a couple of guys who sent out this thing like a practicing silence and solitude because I wasn't there, I was in uh, Sunday school class. And, yeah, I heard it. And anyways, in that, when I was practicing silence and solitude a few times, the thing that came to me was I was sit- the thought that I had, the picture that I had in my mind was sitting down as a child at the feet of Jesus and just asking him to speak to me. Hmm. And in sharing that, John's like, hey, that's the exact, like, being a child and sitting in front of Jesus was the exact same thing that he was using as your, your I, anchor. Yeah, word. it was like my anchor was like, every time I would get distracted in my mind, I would just say, I'm a child of God. Nice. And just focus on that. And cool. It was the same morning. I was like, freaky. <laughs> <laughs> or is it? <laughs> Very cool. That was our report. Nice. Yeah. Anyone else practicing it for the first time or? Finding it difficult, hard, easy. It's weird, right? Yeah. It's like super strange. Yeah. You gotta say it. It is. Yeah. <laughs> but the more you do it, the the more normal it feels. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Don't do it in your bed at night, guys. Just heads up. What? Oh. <laughs> I tried that and fell asleep every time, but. Yeah, but it just. Mm. Just the knowing mm-hmm. that he is present yeah. and believing that in your heart. Mm. And every time you do that, it goes deeper. Mm. And, uh, yeah. That's great, Trish, yeah. yeah. It's, cool. it's cool to hear different stories, guys, of how that's going. And, uh, yeah, so we're going to continue, guys, this morning in our Into the Wonderful Light series. Um, I loved Hannah's picture that she shared with us. That was so helpful as well. Uh, one of the things, guys, that we're basing this whole series on, this whole idea, can you guys hear me without the mic on? Yeah. Okay. Is that um, one of the things light does is it grants us perspective, right? So when we're in the dark, it's easy to trip around, we bash our head on something, and we need some light um, to, to kind of make sense of what's going on. And over the last 20 months, you know, things have been rather dark, right? So not only culturally, but also even right here within our Anchor Point community, which is something that God was healing, and a lot of us maybe even this morning are wanting to heal. And so our goal uh, through our, our Advent series is to take some time and look through four different perspectives from the Bible on the story of Jesus' coming and arrival. Um, and all of this is kind of, our idea is, we, as disciples of Jesus, one of the things we're doing is we're trading in our own definition of good and bad for Jesus's, right? We're trusting him for his. And like last week, we talked about how hope is, hope is possible, but sometimes things need to get worse before they get better. And that to me is like, okay, Jesus, I'm going to trust you with that because in my mind, things should only be getting better and better and better. 
And so today we're going to look at another kind of twist or a different idea about peace. And that's rooted in this, like, we're going to let go of our own idea of what peace is, and we're going to trust Jesus for his, okay? So what is the biblical word for peace in the Old Testament? Anyone know? Shalom. There you go. And shalom is this sense of completeness or wholeness or welfare. Uh, And the Greek word, anyone know the Greek word in the New Testament? That would be super impressive. (laughs) Ekokable. Yes, that's it. It's uh, irene, and it means uh, when all the essential parts are joined together. When all the essential parts are joined together. And that's kind of the, the, the lane we're going to take this morning. And, and uh, this is the definition I want us to use in our minds as we're thinking about peace. And this is the key idea this morning, guys. Peace is not the absence of conflict. So peace is not the absence of conflict. It is shalom, or it is fullness of life, or it is when all the essential parts are joined together. Peace is a rest that will come from divine assurance about how things will turn out. Okay? And that's what we're going to look at today. Peace is not the absence of conflict. And so the question that comes to mind is we're thinking about life, and we've had this question go around culturally and in our own lives, is this question of what is essential, right? What are the essential businesses that need to be open for us to kind of maintain some type of normal life? What is essential in terms of can I go get my nails did? Can I go get my hair did or not? Um, it's essential for me. Uh, but, uh, but, uh, but that whole question, what is essential for our lives to actually be full? And as disciples of Jesus, we yield that question to, to him again, right? Uh, and I just want to share a quick story just to kind of illustrate kind of where I want to go with this this morning. Um, just within the whole idea of peace. So if it's my day off or it's the end of the work day, um, I want to have some type of peace. And the way I would go about getting that done or what I think is essential to my inner peace is zero clutter. Okay, anyone else? Uh, and so this means I'm going to do the dishes. I'm going to scurry around. I'm going to be an absolute jerk at times because my kids don't put their stuff away. And it's because in my mind, it's essential that there's no clutter around in order for me to have peace. I won't be able to have peace unless everything is tidy and clean. But as anyone knows, that is just not the way life goes. Um, as you eat, you have to use, you know, dishes. And as you have children, they have lots of gloves and stuff like that. So, um, so what ends up happening is I'm clamoring away in the kitchen. <laughs> Sorry, Theo. Um, we're clamoring away in the kitchen. And, and what it does is it removes me from being present to my family. So I'm so de- like determined to, to have inner peace. I did, I, I'm di- di- distracted and I'm distant from my family trying to get at what I think is essential. And so the question I want us to think about is within this is, can we be good even when things aren't good? Or can I have peace even when there are dishes all over the counter and when there are gloves all over the house or whatever that might look like? Because is the point of my life to have peace or is it to be with God and to be with people? So if, 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 being, with God, if being good or having a tidy house isn't the point, then what is the point? And in my relationship with my wife, this is what she says. So she, if I'm like, she's like, well, hey, what are you doing? Come over here. Like, we need to hang out. I'm like, no, I have to do all this stuff before I can sit down and have peace. And she's like, no, the point is to be with me. It's, it's not to just clean up. And so I think that's what God would have us understand this morning. The point of all of this stuff of finding real peace isn't the absence of conflict. It's to be with him in the midst of the dirty dishes and the conflict of our lives. Okay. Does that make sense? Okay. So let's start with that idea and let's just pray. And then if you guys have your hand out, we're going to go 
through kind of verse by verse the story of uh, the Annunciation, which is um, this beautiful painting here that Da Vinci did. So that's kind of the, the that'll set the tone. So Jesus, thank you that you're with us even in the midst of chaos and craziness and clutter. I ask this morning, Lord, as I'm sharing and as I'm speaking, anything that is just from me that I would fall away super quickly. And uh, Lord, the things that are from you, which I do sense that there are things from you in here, Lord, that they would just ring so true to our hearts and minds. And that they would be uh, moments that we could reflect back on and see uh, just a fuller picture of what you're doing. And just like Hannah shared in that picture, Lord, where our, our eyes would be drawn to the right things and not the wrong things. That our hearts this morning, Lord, would be drawn to the right things and not the wrong things. And Jesus, that most of all, that we would be able to see your faithfulness and your character and your goodness in, 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 in looking back on our lives and in also in hopeful expectation of looking at your uh, return again, Lord, but also the, the what you're wanting to do in us and through us as we move forward. I yield to you, Lord, and ask you to have your way in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, let's read, guys. Luke chapter 1. Verse 26 to 33. I'm going to start with there. And um, that, that first chunk, I'm going to talk about the what of peace. And then we're going to finish that looking at the how of peace and how that maps onto our discipleship with Jesus. Okay? So let's read together. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Let's, let's pause there. Okay, so the first thing I want us to wrap our heads around, and this is just from verses 26 and 27, is the bigger picture of who God is and how God works. So Gabriel is an angel, and an angel is basically a job description and what, what an angel is, is it's a spirit being from God's heavenly host that is sent by God to deliver or to receive a message. And the thing that strikes me in this whole idea is that God could have spoken directly to Mary, yet he chooses to partner with something he's created to accomplish his purpose. So God, who is the creator and sustainer of all things, he's con- consistently and continually looking to partner with his creation in spreading who he is, the good news of who he is, his presence into all the cosmos. So that includes angels and it includes spiritual beings and it includes you and I right here and right now. So we zoom out automatically to this way bigger picture of who God is. And at the same time, all of that is going on. He is intricately involved in the inner workings of this young woman. And so Nazareth, guys, is this really obscure, out-of-the-way town, much like Lyle or... um, parts of Beaton, you know, where, <laughs> but this out of the way town where you could, Mary could, I imagine as a 13 to 14 year old girl would, would feel kind of like she's living out her life in obscurity and, and, and anonymity. And she could easily feel overlooked. So imagine all these things going on, this kind of out of the way town, all of a sudden this heavenly being appears to this 13 or 14 year old girl 
And obviously, you know, what, what does he say? He says something that we'd all like to hear. In verse 28, he says, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. So Gabriel, what he does immediately is he speaks and declares Mary's status as it pertains to the God of the universe, which if we really think about it, is the only thing that actually matters. So Gabriel, this heavenly being who's partnering with God, speaking on his behalf, greets her and says, hey, Mary, we see you. And not only that, you are a favored one. And he goes on and he says, actually, the Lord is with you. And I would guess, this is just my guessing, that Mary often maybe didn't feel that that was true. As she's living out her life in obscurity, just probably doing the things that every other 13 to 14 year old woman is doing. There's this idea that maybe I'm not even important or I don't matter. And maybe God is you know, off doing something more important than this. And, and he affirms right away, hey, you are favored and God is with you. And how does Mary respond? I think probably how a lot of us would respond, probably with a double take, like looking around, like, you talking to me? Like, what, what's going on here? And I think that's, a, that's an accurate response. We often don't know how to handle the love of God, the favor of God, and God's presence. And or that idea that God is with us, we kind of are like, what, how does this actually happen? Yeah. Like, why me, Lord? I, why do I deserve this? And we'll come back to that in a second. But again, so greet this, this bigger picture is going on, and this, this woman is being addressed as she really is, and she has to kind of wrestle with that. And then the angel goes on to explain what's actually going on. What's the story here? So I'm just going to read over verses 30 to 33 again. And the angel said to her, which is, I think is appropriate, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid, Mary. So again, she's named, for you have found favor with God. Again, affirming her standing with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of the most high and the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever and of his kingdom. There will be no end. So there's a reassurance of favor, which I think is helpful because again, that, that doubt's probably creeping in right away. Hey, no, no, no. You actually are a favored one. And what, what is going to happen? What is the what of peace that, that, that we're wanting to wrap our heads around this morning? This promise that Christ is going to be formed in you, Mary. <laughs> You who is living in obscurity, you who probably feels overlooked, Christ, the, the King of kings and the Lord of lords is going to be formed in you. See, God is, is partnering with Mary to see his purposes accomplished, to see his kingdom come and his will be done. He seeks out an ordinary woman and says, hey, you have favor with me and I'm gonna, this is what I want to do in you. I want to form Christ in you and, and through that, my kingdom is going to be established. Pretty cool. So the story goes on and I, I love kind of how Mary responds. Like, so she's a 13 to 14 year old girl. She's betrothed to be married to this guy, Joseph. And Mary asked the, asked the angel right away, right back, how's this going to be since I'm a virgin? Like, how's this actually going to happen, guys? Like, what, what do you mean? And, and, and he, let's just read on verses 35 to the end. And the angel answered her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the most high will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her who is called barren. Listen to this. This has come up multiple times this morning. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, behold, this is an incredible response. Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. What the heck? 
So, how, so there's an explanation of what God wants to do. We're drawn into this way bigger story. We're kind of the what of God's kingdom wanting to come. The peace that he's promised is coming. But how is that going to happen? Because, and Mary automatically has this question, like, how is this going to happen? Because I'm a virgin. And at the time, if women were caught in adultery, they would have been stoned to death. So this is a very costly suggestion that the angel is, is, is making for her. And so in, immediately there's a conflict within her, I would imagine. Like, what is going on, God? Like, how is, okay, great, you think I'm favored, I, I can wrestle that through. But what the heck, this is what you're going to do? And how is that, how's that going to happen? And immediately the angel speaks to that concern and he says, hey, listen, this is going to be the Spirit's work in you. This is the Spirit's work. And so there's this promise of, of like a divine assistance in, in what is being requested by God and asked by God. And there's this reassurance that not only is the spirit going to do that, there's a reference to a story of someone else where God has intervened and done something that had seemed impossible, someone that she knew. And, and that, that reassurance and that, that statement, nothing is impossible with God. So there's this divine assurance about how things will actually turn out. And as these things are happening, obviously God is, is working in her. Mary's response is staggering. Because what, what Mary is doing is she's stepping into the unknown and unseen. But as, as she's doing that, as she's experiencing that, I think the key here is that she's realizing that she is actually known by God. So as she's greeted as, 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 and called her name and, and expressed the favor and the, the withness of God in her life, that, that whole being known by God has drawn her into this much, much bigger story of the unknown and the unseen. So in that space, she says yes to God. She says, absolutely, even though, and this is what I want us to wrap our head around. This is the key for us this morning. Even though that she was stepping into guaranteed conflict, guaranteed, because you cannot hide a nine, like a a pregnant belly for so long. Trust me. I I had a pregnant belly for a while too. (laughs) But just think about that for a second. Like, okay, you want to do what? Okay. All right. And then how's that going to happen? Okay. You're going to do it, God. Oh yeah, right. Nothing is impossible with God. Okay, let's do it. And she says yes to God. I'm sure it was, I mean, I don't think that's how she did it probably, but she stepped into a yes to God, even if people would have turned their back on her, even if she would have been scorned, even if she would have been publicly shamed, mocked, whatever. She's saying yes to God. And so the essential thing I want us to wrap our heads around here is this. Mary cared more about what the father thought of her than what others thought of her. Okay. Mary cared more about what the father thought of her than what others thought of her. That is a big deal. So how does this story map onto our desire to be formed into the image of Jesus? How do we, what can we learn from this uh, and apply to our lives today? Uh, the first thing I want us to wrap our heads around is this, that, that there's a way bigger story going on than we can even imagine or realize. And this, this line kind of came into my head, and I think this is something we need to think about. It's God's world and we're living in it. And not only that, it's God's world and he wants us living in it. And so we're here for a purpose. And so often we try to cram God into our world rather than receiving his invitation to be a part of his world. And this is what's happening with Mary. Mary is is brought from a tiny little obscure anonymous space into the huge grand story of God. Mm -hmm. And so what God does is he finds us in our obscurity, in our normal lives, and he reveals himself in a way that shows his intricately involvement in the workings of our, of our lives and of his good world. 
that he is the creator and the sustainer. He is the one that's going to see things through. But above that, he wants to partner with you and I. He could do whatever he wants to do, but he's looking for people who will say yes to him. So it's God's world and he wants us living in it. The second thing that I think we want to, I want to kind of think about is this, that as Mary um, receives this pronouncement from the, from the angel Gabriel, there's something that um, I want us to think about this morning, that God wants to speak over you and I, his favor. Uh, this morning when we were praying during our, our pre-service prayer, I had this picture of um, everyone walking through the door and we all had kind of like just grubby clothes on and we had like some, some armor and just some things protecting us. And we had all these name tags that were all kind of chipping away. And I just saw like a picture of what, what I imagine the father would be doing is, is on a brand new name tag, writing our actual name and placing it on us as we walked through the door, like a new name, a new name, a new name. And, and I, I sense that what he wants us to hear this morning is that he, that we are favored by him. Not because of anything that we've done, but what, that he wants to announce to us his unmerited favor, that just because he, lo- he loves us, that's why we're lovable. And just because he sees us, that's why we're worth knowing and all that kind of stuff. So God has favor for you, whether you know it or not. And this is the grace of God, not that we love him, but that he loved us and found us in our obscurity and anonymity. But he wants to reassure and reaffirm to us his favor, that he is actually with us. Anyone, does that sit with anyone? It's easy for me, even in the last 20 months, I'm, I'm going off script here. Some of the stuff that I think even Amy was challenging us about this morning, like it's yeah. easy to be like, God, where the heck are you? Yeah. Have I missed you? What have I done to screw up? Like, have I lost your favor? And maybe, maybe some of us in the room feel like that. And maybe even us as a community, we could feel that way. But I, I sense that God wants to come again this morning and say, hey, greetings, oh favored one. I am with you. Yeah. I'm with you. Here's the thing, guys, we're all looking to be named or affirmed, but it needs to come from God. And so often we're looking for it to come from other people. And we could say that's our success or our failure or our whatever it might be. But we need to remember that God is it's God's world and he wants us in it. And not only that, he wants to name us and he wants us to go by that name. Okay. The next thing that I think is, is pivotal for us to understand in, in this whole story is, is the same thing that, that we're not going to actually carry the physical body of Jesus around in our bellies like he did with Mary. But the goal of God in our lives and in our story is the same thing. He wants to see Christ formed in each and in every one of us, right? So the goal of discipleship, and this is how we become who we really are, is we allow Christ to be formed in us. Right. So Christ in us and with us and in that, the power of this and, and how that happens is the question that we have, right? Yeah. How's that going to be? Mary's question was, how is this going to be because I'm a virgin? Yeah. Your question might be, how is this going to be because I'm incredibly irritable and I don't even know if I want to do this? Yeah. How can this be because I'm so busy? And we could fill in the blank with all kinds of different questions, our own lists of perceived limitations. And Jesus wants to, and, and the, I think God wants to say to us this morning, just like he said to Mary, how this is going to happen is by the spirit. So Christ is going to be formed in you and we have to lay aside our own hesitations, limitations and say, okay, Lord, do it by your spirit, by your spirit, Lord. So how, how does Christ become formed in us in the same way he was formed in Mary by the spirit? He hovers over the chaos of our lives, just like in the beginning in the, in the creation narrative, he's hovering over the darkness and over the abyss and he's bringing order and beauty out of chaos. 
And that's what he wants to do in our lives. As Christ is formed in us, just like he created the universe, the world, he wants to form him in us by the, by the Spirit. Amen? Amen? Okay. And so in this, this is what I, so all this is great and it might sound awesome, but what, what the other thing here is this, that, that we need to remember that nothing is impossible with God. Because there are things that we have to work through, guys. There are dirty dishes and there are bittens all over the house, but nothing is actually impossible with God. Because the whole idea of peace is that we have this divine assurance about how things will actually turn out. Okay? So we can get through this. We can work through the, the, the conflict that's going to arise, no matter what, because it's, it's with God, yeah. right? So what, what he's asking for, though, is there's a promise here where there's a desire he has for us to live in his world. He wants to speak a new name over us. He wants to form Christ in us. He wants to do this by the Spirit. But none of this impo- is possible until we say yes. That's right. Okay? So just like Mary, like the angel waits for Mary to say yes, and then it says immediately, and the angel departed from her. And so it's like, okay, that settles it. I told her what was going to happen. I, I, I reassured her. her, her res- I, I underlined the whole idea that for nothing is impossible with God. Okay, Mary, now we wait for you. And so God, I sense this morning, guys, is waiting for our yes. So this is something that we do with God, okay? Often maybe we're trying to form Christ in ourselves by our own strength, or we're, we're stuck in our how can this be because I'm such a fill-in-the-blank thing, or we're unsure of the fact that God is actually going to be with us through it. Or we, we lose track because when things don't go perfectly, we think it must not be God. But as we learn to say yes to God, we will live out what we're actually designed to do since the beginning of time, which is to partner with God in, just, in this life of ongoing yes to the Spirit's work of forming Christ in us. Okay? So the question for us, we, 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 we have to come to grips with this. And just like Mary had to do, the the thoughts are going through our minds that this is not going to be an easy journey as we say yes to God. This doesn't mean that things are going to be always sunny. There's going to be trouble. There's going to be conflict. There's going to be misunderstandings. There's going to be dying in a sense, right? Because Mary, what she's saying is, hey, listen, I'm willing to let my my reputation be slaughtered so that Christ could be formed in me. Because what matters is what the Father thinks of me more than what others think of me. And this is the other idea that just kind of popped out to my head this week in thinking, is that Christ was formed in Mary. Not only, not, the point wasn't only that Mary could say, I carried around the Son of God, right? Yeah. The point was it continued the story of God unfolding in the world, and it was a blessing for the entire universe. Mary carried Christ in her to bless everyone else. And so as we say yes to God, it's not only for us that we're saying yes, it's also for the sake of others. So as Christ is being formed in me, it's actually going to be a blessing to you. And so if that's what you need to hear today, that's okay, I don't want to just be selfish. I don't want to just carry around this thing. It's, it's actually for the benefit and blessing of other people. See, God has a calling and purpose for each of our lives, and it's actually to be a blessing. Just like he, he promised to Abraham, I'm going to bless you so that you will be a blessing. Okay? All right. So here's the, the closing thought, guys. We can have peace even in the midst of conflict because we know that God is with us and is working a much bigger plan than all that we could ask or imagine. But what we're left with this morning is his invitation and he's waiting for our response. Are we going to say yes to God in a new way this morning? 
How we see this embodied most beautifully and perfectly is obviously in Jesus in his life. Uh, and the, the story that comes to mind is Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, where he's, he cares more about what the Father thinks all his whole entire life on the earth, his whole entire ministry. That's what's defined him. But there's also this understanding of the bigger picture of things, that he's, that he's kind of the role he's playing in that. But it comes down to this whole idea, just like Mary had to submit her will to God and say, okay, behold, I'm your servant. Let it be done according to me, according to your whatever you want to do, God. Jesus says the same thing to the father. He says, uh, while he's praying the night before he's going to be, the night he's going to be arrested and eventually crucified, they're working it through. And he's saying, my father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. So he has peace knowing that, hey, I'm, this is, I'm literally going to be crucified, but I'm going to do that. I'm going to, I'm going to be with you in that God. And that's not the end. There's more to the story than, than just this moment. And of course, we see this on this side of the cross, that Jesus steps into this cosmic conflict as the Prince of Peace. And as he dies, he's establishing his kingdom through that very death and eventually his resurrection. Okay, so there's, we, we often, we turn the TV off too quick. And we don't wait for the ending that God has in mind. And we want the, the fruit of the life, like the resurrection life, without, having things, without things having to actually die. And so more often than not, guys, we, we, we stunt or, and stint God's work in our lives because we're so afraid that it has to look a certain way. Yeah. And what he's actually saying is, hey, come be with me. Come be with me even though the dishes are undone because I promise you it's better to be with me than to sort all these things out or for it to look a certain way because I have a plan and I have a purpose and will you say yes to me? So how do we practice peace? A couple things come to mind. Is one is we learn to encourage one another, guys. We call others into the bigger story that God has been unfolding before us. And the things that come to mind are things like, hey, when we're discouraged, we remind each other things like, hey, God loves you. The Lord is with you. How, let's, let's just pray and ask God, where, where is he actually working, even though things are absolutely chaotic in your life right now? And reminding us that just because it looks a certain way doesn't mean it's actually what we think it is. We uh, also, guys, we're trying to integrate silence and solitude into everything that we're doing. Um, I would encourage you to sit with God even though your dishes aren't done. Metaphorically and literally. Sit with God though your life isn't perfect. Sit with God though you feel like things are conflicted within you. Or maybe there's conflict within relationships that you're stepping into even as, as the Christmas season is unfolding around us. Be with God in the midst of that. Remember, the point of life isn't to be good. It's, it's to be with God. And so peace isn't the absence or difficulty of conflict. It is the divine assurance of how things will actually turn out. And we wait for a Messiah to return yeah, and to establish a whole new creation. And, and in that place, we will partner perfectly with God, accomplishing what he has called us to do. And so now we wait. We wait in the midst of dirty dishes. We sit with God and we allow his peace to rule and reign in our lives. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Yeah. I'm going to close with this and then we're actually going to take communion together. And uh, 